Right now, you can get free carpet installation from the Home Depot. So while we're putting in your new carpet, you'll have more time to take care of the lawn. Get started on dinner. Or just lay down and relax on your new carpet after it's installed. Ah. Get your free carpet installation started with the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Minimum purchase of $4.99. Exclusions apply. U.S. only. See store for details. Jay Scott, and you're listening to The Hook, the ultimate rock community podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another show, another topic. Today, we have back a returning guest. We have Ari at A Night 1990 on Twitter. Also, her blog is moodytunes.home.blog and her YouTube page, American Nightmare. She was a previous guest. We talked about Chris Cornell, Soundgarden. Audio Slave, welcome back, Ari. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you doing this. Always good to have you on the show. Great content last time. Got some really good feedback. Yeah, of course. Would love to dive into another topic. And that topic is a timely topic. And that is Greta Van Fleet and the comparisons to Led Zeppelin. Yes, yes. Uh, A very sensitive subject for a lot of people. I've seen Greta Van Fleet three times. Uh, once back in 2017. Really? Yeah. And then twice this past winter at the Aragon Ballroom. So I've seen them three times. And each time I've seen them, I've been blown away. They've been tremendous. An awesome live band. Are there better bands out there live? Of course. Um, I think they have been wrongly labeled as a poor live band because of the Saturday Night, Live, Saturday Night Live performance. I think that was just unfortunate. It was a bad night. I think maybe the mix wasn't that good. But every time I've seen them, I've been blown away by their performance, by their um, ability to really match what is played on the records. Definitely. I've personally never seen them live. Um, I actually wanted to in, in December uh, that was probably at the Aragon Ballroom. You know, at the time, their record had just come out, and they were getting pretty, pretty hot. No, and I wasn't sure because it was like I think it was like during finals week or something. And so I waited a little bit, and then like two days later, every single show they had three shows in Chicago, and they were all sold out. So, and they haven't been back since. So it's like, so I totally missed out on that. I'm totally kicking myself for missing out on that. But I did see the Saturday Night Live performance, and. I honestly thought it was fine. I know the the sound wasn't too great. I thought people were a little overcritical about that performance because, like I said, I I always thought that whenever they performed live, they were always at the top of their game. Well, that really is the society we live on, right? It's overcritical. It's the keyboard warriors sitting behind a screen (laughs) and telling you what's bad and why it's bad and why you shouldn't listen. I've been really exactly. Yeah, I've been really taken aback by watching Greta Van Fleet evolve and watching how people critique them and what they say about them, whether it's on a social media platform like Facebook or Twitter, whether it's a YouTube review by some guy who hasn't left his house in 10 years. Um <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 just absolutely ridiculous. But let's Let's begin with what's positive about Greta Van Fleet, okay? We have a band that is really good. Whether you like them or not, you can't deny the musicianship they have in the band. The drummer, the guitar player, the bass player, the singer, they're all all very good, very good musicians. The second Definitely. You know, the second yeah. positive thing is and what I believe is the most important 
is how they've been able to punch through the wall of today's pop music, whether it's just pop music or rap or country pop or whatever, and be able to grab kids who are my son's age, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old, and make an impact on them and get them listening to rock and roll again, which as a person who's in, you know, their mid 40s, like myself, that's always what I've wanted. I've wanted newer bands to draw interest from young people. For a while, that really wasn't happening. There was really no inspired rock bands. You had your nickel bands and you had these cookie cutter, overproduced bands that really were one and the same. I don't get inspired by their music. You know, I, it doesn't grab me. Yeah. They may have a good song or two. But it's not something where I stop and go, I need to see that band live. You may have a different opinion. What's your opinion of that? I think I, I, I know what you mean. A lot of bands that, that kind of started gaining popularity when I was growing up, they're not as that sort of spark that a lot of other bands like in previous decades have had. In the 70s, of course, we had all those great bands. In the 80s, there was the L.A. scene. In the 90s, there was the, yeah. grudge, the grunge scene. But after that, rock music has kind of lost its way and, and, and hasn't been able to really find itself again um, because of yeah. there's various reasons we can talk about. You know, there's various, um, whether it's airplay, whether it's this denial by mainstream music that rock even exists anymore sometimes. Yeah. What I mean by calling them cookie cutter bands or, or overproduced to me, they're all kind of one and the same. They, they've never really distinguished themselves from each other. And that's maybe that's the better way to put it. I think I know, I know what you mean. A lot of bands, uh, a lot of the bands, the rock bands you'll hear on the radio, like on your local rock station, um, they, they're all from like, they all come from like different directions. You know, you have these, you know, these hardcore bands and then you have the alt rock bands and then you have the, um, you know, more bluesy side. And then you have the more poppy side, which is oh, not even going to get into that right now. But mm-hmm. um, the rock umbrella has just, you know, it's kind of branched off in all these different directions. So many different subgenres. And I think that's definitely another one of the main reasons why it's not as big a part in the mainstream anymore. No, I agree. It's difficult to identify with what subgenre you're listening to. You know, at the end of the day, people just want to hear good music and songs yeah. they connect with. So whatever, whatever genre it comes from, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. But I think when people yeah. are searching for music, they find this band classified in one subgenre they may not like the experience of hearing a band prior to that, so they completely shut down themselves from listening to any part of that subgenre. And I think there's too many labels in rock music. Rock music is really just rock music. I, I classify yeah. it as basically rock, hard rock, heavy metal. That's it. You know, exactly. Um, and that's and, yeah. that, and that's how it should be. With Greta Van yeah. Fleet. I think what's happening is, is they're a rock band. They're a hard rock band. It's pretty simple. It's identifiable because it sounds like you've heard this before. And in large part, you have. A lot of the music is influenced by Zeppelin, is influenced by Cream, Free, even a little bit of Rush in some of their music, and a lot of Delta Blues as well. But getting back to what I was originally saying is, They've been able to punch a hole in the wall to grab younger generations and younger people to listen to rock music again. And that's what we've always wanted. We've wanted another generation of rock bands. We've always been asking, where did rock go? What's happening to rock music? Well, over the last two or three years, there are these great new artists and great new bands that are rising through the ranks that are really, really good. Really good. So when... Greta Van Fleet starts to rise in popularity. Then all of a sudden you see the social media keyboard warriors try to immediately tear them down. Yeah. When their last album came out, 
it seemed like each critic was trying to outdo each other with how bad they could say the album was, you know, like, yeah. Oh, well you yeah, got like that. Uh, yeah. Like the, the pitchfork review, the, uh, oh. what was it? A 1.6 or something out Come of 10. On. And you know, this guy just talks about how they, um, Oh, you know, it sounds like Greta Van Fleet smoked pot once and decided to make a Led Zeppelin record or whatever he said. He said something like that. And I've never listened to critics. You know, I've, I've never really let their opinion sway my, you know, preferences or whatever. But I just thought it was so funny, like how serious this guy was. It's like, oh my God, you know, what did these 20 something year olds do to you? <laughs> well, right. Yeah. And, and that's such an, yeah. a, a dumb statement to make. Whether they smoke pot or not, do drugs or not, base the music on what the music is. In my opinion of the, of the album, Anthem with a Peaceful Army, it wasn't as strong as I wanted it to be. It, I think it's a good record, and I think there's some good songs on there. I thought their two EPs prior to that had stronger material. I definitely agree. Highway Tune, the first Greta Van Fleet song that I heard, that one just, that was what got me hooked. Mm-hmm. And um, Black Smoke Rising, that's another great one. Anthem of the Peaceful Army, when they said they were going to release a new single, and it was When the Curtain Falls. You know, I heard it on the radio. I'm just like, oh, my God, yes, you know, new Greta Van Fleet. And I heard it, and I'm like, it's, you know, it's it's good. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. I was expecting a lot more. You know, I, I was expecting a lot more. I did think their EP was a lot stronger, like you said. But that doesn't mean they didn't deliver on the album. When I hear critics criticize them, like the Pitchfork review, and then there's the other bald guy on YouTube who... Likes to critique everything. I forget his name. But that, I know. Yeah. I know that exact bald guy that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you know, his yeah. his review was one of those reviews that I talk about. Like he's trying to outdo other people just for hits on his page. Objectively, when you're look, listening to the album, it is a good album. There are some really good songs on there. You're the one is a really good song. There are several other songs on the record that really are great. I actually have my copy right here. I'm uh, watching over. Yeah, it's a great that's song too. That's definitely one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely one that's like I said, a lot stronger. And yeah, that's just that's just one example. The other positive thing is that because of their popularity and be, because they've been able to grab young people and connect with young people, is other bands are starting to rise in popularity. You know, we, whenever you talk about the band Greta Van Fleet, you have to mention the Struts, who are not far behind them. More of a British pop band along the lines of a Queen, T-Rex, that st- you know, style of, uh, of, of music. There's a lot of Stones influence in there. You can hear a little bit of, of Oasis. Band, another band that I've seen live. When you compare both those bands to their stage performance, the Struts are far and away a better band live. That's yeah. one of the negative things I, I I feel about Greta Van Fleet. Although they sound great in concert, I don't think they've developed their presence yet on stage. I think they're still trying to figure that out. I think so, too. But one thing to keep in mind is they're still really young. They're, they're not much older than me. So, and they're still just starting out. And for a band that that have been together for, oh, how long has it been? It's been like six or seven years. They were jamming in, in middle school, mm-hmm. which is absolutely insane. That's That tells you how devoted they are and how much chemistry they have. But again, you know, they're still they're still just kids. They're not even 25. Right. So, right. And there are plenty of bands that didn't reach their peak until mid to late 20s, even into their 30s. You know, so they have they have plenty of time yes. to develop their their own presence. No, I agree. I agree. I think they're still going to figure it out. I think we need to give them a chance to evolve. And that's really the next point I was going to make is these critics who are criticizing them are not even giving them a chance to evolve and make their own sound. Alex Lifeson was interviewed a few months back, and one of the questions he was asked was about Greta Van Fleet. And he mentioned that he's rooting for them. He's rooting for them to 
develop their own sound and evolve, just like they did when Rush first came out on their first album or two. They were compared, they were called the Canadian Led Zeppelin. When you listen to the, when you listen to the old old Rush stuff from the first two albums, it, there's a lot of similarities with their music in Led Zeppelin. As they moved forward, they got farther away from the Led Zeppelin comparison, and there's no reason to think that Greta Van Fleet can't do that. Yeah, because I think as they play more and they develop even more chemistry. And have more life experiences because they're so young. I think the music and the writing is only going to get better. Definitely. I, th- I think it's our duty as music fans to allow bands to evolve. And that really was what it was like when I was younger. You know, record companies wouldn't give up on a band after the first record or two, right? They would make an investment in a band and they would give them time to develop their sound. That changed along the way. And I don't remember exactly when it did, maybe the late 80s, maybe the 90s, where if you didn't cut it after one album or maybe two you got, you were gone. You were gone. I mean, exactly. when you think about the big records that have been released or the big bands that, that released, look at, look at Pyromania from Def Leppard as an example. I'm Through the Night yeah. Hot and High and Dry, both fantastic albums. But nowhere, they they don't even compare to the popularity of Pyromania. That was their third record. When you think of Bon Jovi, you think of their first two records, you think then the Slippery One Wet, how they just exploded. Look at Soundgarden, right? Soundgarden yeah. was on their third album. Second, uh, was it, yeah. yeah, third their third album before they before they really hit the big time. So now we've been trained as fans to label a band or determine what we feel about a band right off the bat without any further development, without them allowing them to evolve. We already label them what they're going to be and that's them. The book is closed. Let's move on. I agree. Yeah. The one thing that keeps popping up and we all know this is the elephant in the room is the comparisons to Led Zeppelin. I don't have an issue with that. I am a huge Led Zeppelin fan. They they are my favorite band in the world. They've been my favorite band since I was a junior in high school. Yes, there are comparisons to Greta Van Fleet. You can definitely hear it, but I think they do it in a in a good way. I think they have their yeah. own songs. And let's be honest, Led Zeppelin stole from everybody. When they were around. Yes. Everybody. Yes. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the, on the comparisons to Zeppelin? In all honesty, when I first heard Greta Van Fleet, that was the first thing I thought. It's like, oh my God, this guy sounds like a young Robert Plant. But that was the, literally the only thing that crossed my mind. It's like, it didn't, you know, the, the word ripoff didn't really cross my mind. It's like, you know, oh, this is cool. This is different. But it's also, it's new, but it's also good. And I, I've noticed with a lot of Led Zeppelin fans, you know, a lot of older rock fans is Led Zeppelin seems to be the basis of literally every single rock band out there. Like, well, not every single one, but a lot of famous ones. Like, like you said before, Rush is the Canadian Led Zeppelin. Um, they've said Heart is the female Led Zeppelin. Soundgarden, you know, Chris Cornell sounds like Robert Plant. They're the, they're the 90s Led Zeppelin. It's like, in all honesty, it got a little ridiculous, you know, hearing that sort of take. Because not not everybody's ripping off Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and at the same time, it's like it's like they say, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, you know? <laughs> I agree with you. I personally have no problem with the comparisons or the similarities. But at the same time, that should in no way take away from what you know, Greta Van Fleet or any other band has to offer just because they sound like they happen to sound like somebody else. I think the issue that I have with Greta Van Fleet when it comes to that, when it comes to the comparisons to Led Zeppelin is their reluctance to embrace it. I think in in, in interviews I've read or interviews that I've seen, you know, they almost, when they ask about their influences, it's almost like they purposely avoid saying Led Zeppelin. And I think that's the wrong approach. 
it's obvious or the comparisons are obvious. The sounds are obvious. Just embrace it. Tell people that, yeah, we love Led Zeppelin. They're, they're a great band. Of course, we're influenced by them because they're one of the greatest of all time. And we listen to them. I think they're, they're, they almost get kind of annoyed when people bring it up. And I think that's the wrong approach. And I think that that rubs people the wrong way when they do that. Um, I say, own it, own that comparison, own that influence. Don't, don't run away from it. Don't be ashamed of it. And as you grow as an artist and as you evolve, those comparisons will become less and less and less. And just like Rush, you know, just the Canadian Led Zeppelin. There's no way after those first couple records, after 2112, after moving pictures, after power windows, after whatever album, there's no way you compare Rush to Led Zeppelin anymore. That's what, yeah, now yeah. they're two completely different entities. Correct. And I think that was the point with Alex Lifeson, who said, give him a chance to develop. Give him a chance to evolve. Robert Plant even yeah. said that he loved him. He, he, he enjoyed listening to him. I think he's getting tired oh of Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. When Robert Plant compliments your band, you're pretty much set. Right, right. No, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Robert Plant, listen, I've read interview after interview of him over the years. I, I try to watch everything he's on because I'm a, I'm a Zeppelin fanatic. He does not give out compliments very often. He just doesn't. And when he was approached in that interview and, and he gave his thoughts on Greta Van Fleet, that was heartfelt. That was sincere. You know, a lot of people want to say, oh, he was just, you know, being sarc. No, he wasn't. He would not. Plant would not say no. anything if he was being sarcastic. He would not. Exactly. Um, I think he's getting tired of answering the question all the time because now people are asking him. And I think there was a an award show or something where he was asked about Greta Van Fleet and he kind of made the snoring yeah. sound. And I think he what he meant by that was, OK, he's tired of this question. Let's move on to the next question. It's a fair comparison. I mean, it's it's undeniable. I wish they would embrace it more and not run from it. But whenever someone, yeah. you know, I, I have all, I have a lot of friends who say, oh, I can't listen to them. They, they rip off Led Zeppelin and, and blah, 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 and this and that. And I always say, well, do you know the history of Led Zeppelin? Do you know the history of Whole Lot of Love? Do you know the history of Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You? Two songs that Led Zeppelin was taken to court to get writing credits added to the song because they basically ripped off those songs. Do you know the history of when the levee breaks, the history of dazed and yeah. confused. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mentioned this in a podcast that's going to air shortly. It'll probably already have aired by the time this one um, is dropped. Is you know the the Led Zeppelin "How Many More Times" and Jeff Beck's Beck Spolero. Listen to the guitar solo and "How Many More Times," and then listen to Beck Spolero. Jeff Beck didn't talk to Jimmy Page for years because of that. So as as far as I know, Greta Van Fleet's never been taken to court for stealing a song. Led Zeppelin has. Does that take away from how awesome Led Zeppelin was? Absolutely not. They made each song their own. Each of those songs that they presented and the way they were arranged, those are Led Zeppelin songs. For other artists out there to make comments on Twitter or in interviews, and they say about the Led Zeppelin comparison and completely leave out the history of Zeppelin is just not right. I mean, you can't hold one band in high regard and the other one just tear them down because of the band that you hold in high regard without knowing and stating the history of that other band. Exactly. Where do you think Greta Van Fleet goes from here? I mean, they've got the the new album that came out last I want to say October. Um, they had yeah. the two yeah, EPs. October. Yeah, they had the two EPs before that. Rumor has it that the new album is going to come out before the end of the year. Do you think that they're you know aware of what they need to do, and do you think they're aware of the need to evolve at this point in their career? They did say they they did want to go in a new direction. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, their fans are like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. It's just it's going to sound the same as the first record, you know, <laughs> which I mean, either one is perfectly fine with me. I mean, if you're if you're asking me, because I'm the type of person that kind of just a band that I 
really like and appreciate. I uh, I just trust them. You know, whatever they decide to do, you know, I'll support them. I'll if I if I like it a lot, I'll probably buy the record. My personal opinion is whatever happens happens and I'm sure I'll love I'm sure I'll love at least a few of the songs. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, you know, trusting the artist that you're a fan of and trusting them to continue on their journey and us as passengers is a really important thing to maintain being a fan of somebody because you're afraid someone's just going to come at you and oh how could you like that band and how and and it's like there, there's no like middle ground it's either like zero or like it's a hundred and there's nothing in the middle you're like it can never be like well you know some of their songs are okay and i kind of do like a few of their songs and blah blah, blah. it's either i love the band or it's i hate the band there's nothing there very few people get caught in the middle anymore there is no middle on anything that requires an opinion yeah i agree it's like it's like you said, you know, you either love them or you hate them. And that's that's really a shame because they basically it's like, you know, give give someone or something a chance. You know, let let people explain themselves. Let people let them Well, you you have a a big contingency of of music fans that are out there that really do not like anything new. They don't listen to anything yeah. new. They're afraid of anything new. They have their opinions on new music, whether they've heard it 30 second clip of a song or they completely deny themselves any joy of new music. I don't understand that. And when you have a band yeah. like Red Event Fleet and you have the Struts and you've got Tyler Bryant, you've got Joyous Wolf and you've got Dirty Honey, another band exactly. out of Exactly. Another band out of Ohio. And Black I'll, Coffee. Yeah. I'll be honest, I I personally actually was that way for a while um, when I was getting into, you know, the 70s, 80s and 90s. It's like, oh, my God, this is it and nothing else, you know, mm -hmm. went through that phase. And then eventually I found myself thinking, wait a minute. No, that's that's really close minded. And that's, you know, I got to open myself up. And when I started listening to the radio more, it's like, oh, my God, there is really good stuff out there. I mean, no, they don't compare to my favorite bands, but Still, there there are a lot of good bands out there. Like you said, Joyous Wolf. They're one of my new favorite bands ever, you know? They're great. And uh, there really is a lot out there. All you have to do is just give it a chance. Open your mind. Don't be afraid to try new things. Well, you know, as people get older, they have, yeah. their, they have their friends, and they're comfortable with their circle of friends. And as they get older, that circle of friends becomes smaller and smaller. It usually doesn't expand as you get older. It gets smaller. And it's like that with music. If you, That's true. If you look at your, your, the, the, the music you like as your friends, and as you go through time, those friends, the music you listen to, become smaller and smaller. Ten years ago, you may have liked, let's say, 20 of those bands. And then five years ago, now you like you only listen to ten. Now you're probably on three to five. You got your you found your groove three to five. This is what I'm going to listen to, and that's great. You know that that's that's one way you could you could enjoy your life is less less is more. I guess some people believe, but then there's also the way music connected with you at some point, right? I mean, you wouldn't like rock music if it never connected with you, and I think when people Talk about new music. They still have this idea in their head of the Limp Biscuits and the Smash Mouths and the Third Eye Blinds <laughs> and yeah. that music that was like after the, the turn of the century that really wasn't very good. I mean, like the first decade of, of, of you know, the 2000s really did not produce a lot of good new rock music. There's only maybe not exactly no. Yeah, there's probably only a few bands that were like worth mentioning from like 2000 to 2010. That music has evolved since then. You had the Rival Sons and Blackberry Smoke and and all these bands that have come out and have not now are building a following that are no longer called new bands. They're newer bands, but I think we're at a period now where it's starting to, you know, kind of bubble over. The water's been heating up and it's starting to boil 
and it's starting to overflow in the in the in the pot that you're boiling the water. And I think rock music is going to have a resurgence over the next ten years. And I think yeah. the bands that we mentioned in this conversation are really going to lead that. I think there's definitely a lot of potential. And if we let it happen, like you said, rock could make a resurgence or it could at least keep bubbling over. Like you said, um, cause I, I honestly really don't know because we have each, you know, every decade, like since the eighties and nineties, there's a lot of pop music that, you know, kind of takes over and sort of over potentially overshadows, especially in the, in more recent years, pop music tends to overshadow that a lot. And it's, it's hard. And when I say pop music, I mean like exactly like what's popular. Cause I know pop, pop stands for popular music but like rap hip-hop the uh electronic dance edm kind of music whatever whatever else is out there i'm not really sure but Mm -hmm. (laughs) that seems to be what is definitely popular now and i think it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of effort but i think it could happen like you said and i think it's it's you know the time is ripe for it i mean i see my son wearing rock t-shirts I see his friends listening to the music he's listening to. Um, I'm sure that's happening in other places. I just don't think that's an isolated thing that's happening, an isolated situation. But I think more and more young people are listening to rock because at the end of the day, what happened with rock music is it started to, I mean, especially in the 80s and the early 90s, it started to really become stale and be started, started to become, you couldn't tell the difference between one band and the other. And I think now you have that with pop music. And in the minimal, minimal exposure I have to pop music, whether it's I'm at, I'm at the doctor waiting for my appointment or I'm in a, uh, you know, a store and they're playing pop music, I can't tell the difference between one and the other. You know, you've got you know, 30 writers on a song, 40 producers on a song. Everything is auto-tuned. Nothing is is really played. The people don't know their instruments like they do in rock music. Rap music, you know, originally was started as a social justice vehicle and a, yeah. a social awareness vehicle. That's completely gone. When I was in high school, you know, I had friends that listened to NWA. I had friends that listened to Public Enemy. I remember Grandmaster Flash. Yeah. I remember the Sugar Hill Gang. I remember all those bands or all those artists, they spoke about things. They spoke about what it was like to live in the inner city and the experiences they had with law enforcement and the experience they had with the economics, depression and and everything in the inner city. And that was their voice. The rap music was their voice. Now, when I hear rap music, I don't hear any of that. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't hear any, I mean, yeah, there may be a song or two, but now it's more or less about making it rain and whatever (laughs) Adam Levine says rock music lacks innovation or lacks something new. I cringe. I, 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 I don't understand what he's saying because as a music fan, I don't hear anything worth listening to in pop music. I don't hear anything worth listening to in rap. And I, you know, listen, I never will consider myself a fan of rap or a fan of pop music, but I do have Grandmaster Flash on vinyl. I do have Public Enemy on vinyl. There, are, there. I yeah. do have an appreciation for that stuff, and I do have Duran yeah. Duran on on CD and vinyl, and I do have some other pop artists from back in the day. Even for me, there are there are some. Um, there there aren't a lot, but there are some pop and some even some rap artists out there that I really appreciate like Lady Gaga you know I absolutely love Lady Gaga's music I hate this term but you know guilty pleasures you know like early Maroon 5 you know Mm. like I said Lady Gaga Beyonce a lot of those very highly acclaimed you know pop stars I appreciate them you know and I appreciate their music almost sort of have the attitude like you know who doesn't your preference I've always been um, a little more open-minded when it comes to a lot of certain artists, especially when they're incredibly popular. But in terms of recent artists, like Cardi B, Kendrick Lamar. I can't tell you, you know, one song from other, either one of those artists. Those those sorts of artists, um, the, the ones that have especially gotten more into the mainstream in recent years, 
I just can't get into. Again, I, I do have some appreciation for some other more popular artists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lady Gaga, the Star is Born soundtrack is a great record. Um, oh my God, yeah. I mean, some of the songwriting. Thought, yeah, like uh, like Bradley Cooper's music um, in, in that movie. It You know, it sounds like, you know, heavy Southern rock, and that's just... That's badass. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, a, a, a lot yeah. of that music was written by Lucas Nelson, who's Willie Nelson's son. Yeah, yeah. He, he wrote and arranged a lot of that stuff for, for the record. But that really was a, a, just a great record. I mean, I, I've listened to that album several times. And I don't consider myself a Lady Gaga fan, but I'm a fan of that music and a fan of what's going on in that album. It's just, um, it's fantastic. It's great. When we, to circle back with, with on Greta Van Fleet, we talk about their rise, and I think that that star is still still rising. You know, I don't think we've seen the peak yet from them, and I think there's a lot more to come, and I think the best is yet to come. We talk about the critics, and we talk about what they've stated about them. Do you think that if they do evolve and they do go in a different direction and they really do develop their own sound, do you think people will be open to that? I think so. I think they could not only um, become more respected by their current fans, but also open the door to um, an even larger fan base. New fans will come in and appreciate their new record you know, current fans will appreciate both records. I think that could definitely propel them to even more popularity. I hope so, because I think what happens is, is when people have that quick or when, or when they make a quick judgment on something or someone, it's very hard to change minds. Yeah. And I think that's unfortunate. I think if, if people think they are leads up and ripoffs, it's going to be very hard to convince those people that they're not. But I, but I also think those people don't want to be swayed either. You know, when, when someone is so, yeah. so adamant and so steadfast on their, their opinion, they feel if they change their opinion, they feel like they were, they, they were wrong. And, and they don't have to look at it that way. It's not that they were wrong. They felt something. Exactly. Yeah, they felt something during a certain moment in time. And just like... The artist evolves. You can evolve with your opinion. You don't have to have the same opinion you had two years ago. You can change your opinion exactly. based on new information. Yeah. I, think that's, I think that may hinder them. I also think, and I've said this before, that the reliance on critics to tell us what to like and what not to like in rock music is baffling. Led Zeppelin, yeah. the great Led Zeppelin, which every band is compared to, Critics yeah. hated them when they came out. Hated Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Led Zeppelin 1 and Led Zeppelin 2 were not very well received in the UK. Led Zeppelin broke in America before they broke in the UK, their hometown, because of the pushback of people believing that they ripped off the blues. They ripped off, you know, whether it was Willie Dixon, whether it was, you know, Muddy Waters, whoever. There was a huge pushback against them when they first came out. They went to America and America loved them. But the critics in the UK and and a lot of critics here too as well, I don't wanna I wanna I I wanna state that, were very critical of Zeppelin when they were first out. Now that's all forgotten. You know, Led Zeppelin can do it all. They they're they're the best band ever. I agree. I'm not I'm not disagreeing. But we cannot forget that if we listen to the critics and we rely on the critics to tell us what to listen to and what not to listen to, many of us Led Zeppelin fans would not be Zeppelin fans. If we listened to everything the critics said, there wouldn't be a whole lot to, uh, you know, to really listen to that's, uh, that would be considered, quote-unquote, good. At the end of the day, a critic is just, it's another opinion. Right. You know, and right. it's like they don't really have any... In my opinion, they don't have any authority over a certain band or a certain album. And it's, it comes down to what do you think? What do you, the listener listening, you know, in your car, in your room, what do you think about it? You're your own critic. 
Yeah. You determine what's good and what's not. I think I've said this to you before. It's all about timing. When I've listened to albums over the years that I did not like, it didn't resonate with me when it first came out, when I first heard it, 15, 20, 25 years later, I'll put it on and I'll be like, wow, this is, this is really good. This is a really good album. And part of me is upset because I just wasted 10 years not listening to it, but it's better than nothing. And, and I think, you know, people need to realize that. Listen, I used to listen to Poison when I was in grade school, 1986, 87. I would not listen to Poison now just because it doesn't connect with me anymore. Now, on the same, yeah. on the same token, I wasn't a really big fan. Pearl Jam fan when they came out. I listen to Pearl Jam. I was now. the same way. Yeah. So yeah, for years I was like kind of was kind of snobby about it. It's like right. oh Pearl Jam, you know, whatever. I listen to them more and more, and it's, they're not my favorite grunge band, but they're still like oh my god, they they have a, a few amazing songs, a lot of amazing songs. Mm-hmm. Even though I probably wouldn't feel the same way about them as Alice in Chains or Soundgarden. I, I still appreciate them, and I've, you know, kind of evolved my opinion on them. Correct. I think as a listener, you should always, your taste should always be evolving. As an artist, yeah. you always need to be evolving. I mean, there's very few bands that do it the same over and over again. You know, I, I like to mention ACDC, and that is like the prime example of a band that yeah. you know what to expect. Every time you get a, uh, an ACDC album, you know what to expect every time ACDC comes on the radio. And that's cool, right? They're one of the few bands that can get yeah. away with it. I do think things got a little stale with them. And I had this conversation on another podcast. You know, things got kind of stale in the mid-80s to, to, to early 90s. I think that was just product of what was around them, the product of the you know, music environment back then. They stuck around, and they're popular as ever. They're probably going to be touring uh, announcing a tour very soon. Maybe it'll be announced yeah. by the time this podcast airs. But I always like the art. Yeah, I, I always like the uh, the artist that does take chances, that I, I put my trust in them, that, you know, I love their last album and then their new album is different. It's still the same. It still sounds like them, but it's better. It's a more mature sound. When an artist can grow with their audience... That's the best thing, in my opinion. I agree. And when you first get into a band, when you first hear their first album, and you kind of you kind of grow with them, you hear you know how their sound evolves. It's like that is it's going to sound a little corny, but it's a really special thing. It's like what I'm assuming you know your generation had with Led Zeppelin, my generation has with Greta Van Fleet. Right. Um, hearing their sound evolve, seeing them become more and more popular, and then they'll go down as like a couple decades from now, they could be considered one of the greats. I believe so. I, I, I think so. I think the climate is right for them to take advantage of that. I think that being that there isn't a lot of new rock coming out that is resonating with, with young people, and that's really where it's at. You could release, an artist could come out, a new artist could come out and release new material. And if someone my age likes it, nothing's going to happen because, you know, we're, we're the dem, we're, I'm in the demographic where advertisers and music executives don't care about, right? I'm going to spend money on music that I like and they know that. But when it starts to hit yeah. the young people, you know, in, the, in middle school, in high school, that's when they start paying attention. And more than likely, when girls that age start liking that music, then you see the real change. You, know, you think about every, yeah. every music movement over the last 30 years, you know, whether it was in the 80s, whether it was in the 90s. Before the teenage girl got into the Bon Jovis and the Def Leppards, before they got into the Pearl Jams and the Soundgardens, it was predominantly a male audience, right? That's all, true. All yeah. that stuff. And then when it makes that leap into 
the teenage girl and they because they 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 will spend the money on the t-shirts they'll spend the money on the albums they'll they'll go crazy over i mean look at look at taylor swift's fan base look at Katy perry's fan base predominantly female oh, yeah they they will spend the money they will get their parents to spend the money on concert tickets and all that and then once they're a fan i mean i think of of women my age who i'm friends with who go nuts for new kids on the block tickets you know when they were kids you know this this band was popular and let's face it the music is not that good well i shouldn't be it, it's never connected with new kids on the block never connected with jay scott unfortunately um, or for, I should say, fortunately, what I'm trying to say though, is, is that they will be loyal to that artist forever. If they, if they become a fan, Bon Jovi is a prime example. Bon Jovi was this huge band in the eighties, huge hit after hit after hit. They kind of went away for a while. And when they came back, they reinvented themselves. Now they're on adult contemporary billboards. And when you go to one of their concerts, it's 75% female. They know yeah. their audience. They they know their audience. So when that happens, and I've told that to my son, I said, when you when when the girls in your class start wearing Greta Van Fleet shirts, the strut shirts, you know, Tyler Bryant, whatever, Joyce Wolf, that's when you know things are gonna change. For sure. That's when that's when music executives are like, Well, they're not listening to Taylor Swift anymore. They're listening to the struts and they're listening to Greta Van Fleet. So then you start to see band after band after band sound the same. The original artists that came through first will always be the original, but they'll, they'll, they'll start to sign a hundred, 200 acts that sound exactly like Greta Van Fleet, sound exactly like the struts and so on. Now with, with you, with your generation, because you're roughly 20 years younger than I am, what, what do you look for in an artist? I mean, I've asked this question to my son. Do lyrics resonate with you? Does the image attract you? How do you, how do you get attracted to new music or, or new artists? I would honestly say it depends on the band. Um, but in a lot of cases, generally, the first thing I look at is the lyrics. Even if it's just, you know, it's even if it's not super personal, if there's a specific line in there that kind of just kind of hits me, which is unexpected, unexpectedly, it's it's like, oh, you know, OK, this is good. I dig this. You know, this is. And then over time, when I see their their image, that sways my opinion. But for the most part, I would definitely say the lyrics, because the image you know, the image grow, uh, grows and, ev- and evolves over time. They develop, bands develop their own image over time, especially when they're young bands, you know. It's hard to not focus on that, but it's one of those that you kind of have to take it as it is. Because if you like it, the image shouldn't matter as much if the music resonates with you. I agree. I agree. I, I think when I was younger, because, you know, I was a child of the 80s, image was very important because it was the the beginnings of MTV. So the video was just as important as the song. Sometimes, in some cases, yeah. it was more important. When you were able to see the band, relate that to their music, it had a huge impact. And then that was like the gateway. And then you started to read the lyrics and started to get more in-depth with them. I remember in the early 80s, I talked about this in our in our first episode, Oh, I had no idea what Van Halen looked like other than the four pictures on the back of the album. I had no idea what their style was live. The only band that I had known of because I had seen was Kiss because their their paraphernalia was all over the place. I knew of Kiss, but I had not yet heard Kiss until probably 82, you know, which was the Creatures of the Night, the I Love It Loud song as we move away further and further away from that period of music, I think the lyrics, I think the, the, the musicianship, the songwriting has become just as important as, or probably more important than what people look like. And I, and I kind of give kudos or, or props to grunge movement for bringing that back. When you talk about Soundgarden yeah. and you talk about Pearl Jam and, you know, Nirvana and STP, Alice in Chains, 
they were really responsible for bringing the importance of meaning back to songs. And hey, the Van Halen Good Time Party Band and all those bands from the 80s all have their place and they all are awesome. And I, I hold a lot of those bands in highly, high regard. But as we definitely, as yeah, we, yeah move, as we moved throughout that decade in the early 90s, it really had lost its way. It became just like a parody of Spinal Tap, which was a, which was a parody in itself. Yeah. You know, but when you like when you sit down and you just without listening to the music and you read the words written by Chris Cornell or you read the words written by Eddie Vedder, it's very powerful and it's very, you know, it has a huge impact. When I was getting into Rush, I remember I couldn't connect with Rush because of Geddy Lee's voice when I was younger. And my friend was my friend was a huge Rush fan. And he says, just focus on the lyrics. The lyrics will change the way you feel about them. And he was right. It was fantastic. I mean, I I opened up a whole new door of of great music to me. Instead of focusing on the high pitch of Getty Lee, I focused on the lyrics. And after a while, the high pitch, I didn't hear that anymore. I heard the lyrics. I heard the music. And I became a, a lifelong Rush fan. Yeah, I was the same way with Rush. I had a, my Rush phase kind of started when I was seven, 16 or 17, I think. And, uh, you know, I was always, you know, I loved it. You know, you know, I loved the music. I loved how eccentric they were in their own way. Um, but I always, my dad and I would always kind of poke fun at Getty Lee's voice. But at the same time, it's like, but, oh, my God, these guys are legends, you know. And then once you get past that, it's like, okay, okay, jokes aside, you read the lyrics, it's like, oh, my God, you know, I, I love them even more now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the greatest lyrics written by Neil Peart um, ever. And so so deep, and so much meaning behind them. Constantly discovering new ways to interpret those lyrics, too. Um, and I find that very similar to Chris Cornell. And I think... Even when you when you listen to some of the lyrics by Greta Van Fleet, for young kids that are writing these lyrics, there 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 is a lot of meaning behind that. Check out the the, the song "Look Away" off the new Rival Sons record, Feral Roots. Just a really really deep song about you know the idea is if if it's someone else's problem, it's somebody else's pain. Like it doesn't matter, and how kind of selfish that viewpoint is and it's a really interesting way to write a song and present a song um just a total not top-notch way of doing it so check that out when you get a chance for sure when you listen to joyous wolf feel the low which oh my god yes wow yeah wow that i mean when i heard that song three months ago I was like, that's one of the best songs I've heard in a long, long time. And the arrangement is just breathtaking. And the lyrics are, you know, I I don't know how old those, those, those dudes are probably not older than 25, I would imagine. But for someone to write a song like that, that's really, really impressive at that age. I, I, I mean, I I must've put that song on repeat for like three hours. That's all I listened to. It was just, I couldn't get enough of it. That song is amazing. I, uh, I don't have a physical album of theirs in my hands yet. So, um, neither do I, I love, you know, about, it's like, I got to get the lyrics, you know, hopefully the, you know, whatever's in there has the lyrics because I really, I'd, I'd love to know what he's saying, you know, feel the low. Definitely. Uh, had enough yeah. and undesired. Those are like, the the energy there, the soul, you know, not just in the music, but in the words, they're another one that's definitely going places. They are, out of all the new acts that are out there, they are the only one that I've heard that has combined the 70s, 80s, and 90s seamlessly. You hear yes. all of it in, in, in their music. You know, like you hear the yeah. slide guitar, you hear a lot of like mountain, you hear a lot of purple in their music, and then you go to the eighties and, and you hear a lot of Guns and Roses, and and then I hear a lot of STP, I hear a lot of Soundgarden, 
the way he yes. the way he phrases in singing. It's very reminiscent of Chris Cornell. The the singer uh, uh, for Joy of Wolf, Nick Reese, he's a huge Cornell fan. And uh, there's a video on YouTube, actually, of him covering Rusty Cage. And unfortunately, it was kind of recorded on a lower quality phone camera, whatever. So it's not the greatest, you know, quality. He, he covered Rusty Cage and he could just tell it's like, you know, this guy's a huge Cornell fan. <laughs> yeah. You can hear it in the way he, he his approach and everything. And, and, and when I first heard them before they released their album, they had a couple tracks that were, that had come out prior to their EP. It was a Mississippi queen. It was a mountain cover. And there was another song. The name eludes me right yeah. now, but you really uh, heard. Slow hand. Yes. Yes. Slow hand. You really did hear more of a '70s vibe in that song, and obviously the cover of Mississippi Queen. Yeah. And then you hear the EP, and you're like, "Wow, there's so much going on, and there's so much influence pouring out of the speakers um, with their stuff. It's just we got to do a show on them, just Joyous Wolf." Yes. Uh, um, yes, we do. I was just going to say, it's like, yeah. oh my God, you know, these guys are great. They are, they are really fantastic. And, you know, Dirty Honey yeah, is another great... Yeah, a lot to talk about with them. Yes, yes. And, and you know, Dirty Honey is, a, is another band that's blues-based, really starting to, to, to punch a hole, too, as well. You know, the, the, the Struts... Have you, ever, have you seen the Struts live? I haven't, no. You have to do that. Yeah, you will have a great yeah. time. You will have a great time. Yeah. Um, but all those bands, and then there's other ones like Bishop Gunn, who's from Mississippi, who's got a really soulful delivery um, with their music. This, this album, or this band, Black Coffee from Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, which I think just did a uh, signed a record deal. They did a showcase at the Whiskey Go-Go. Wow. Some of their stuff is, is on YouTube. Very Van Halen-esque, very ACDC-esque type band. There's so much more. Tyler Bryant. Um, continues to evolve on his new album, Temperance Movement. And the singer's got a Rod Stewart, Joe Cocker vibe to him. They're phenomenal. So there's really a bunch of new stuff that's coming out that's just really, really good. The band of Darbies, who I saw them on the L.A. Guns tour from L.A. Just some really good stuff. And I just hope that people open themselves up and appreciate what's coming out and give it a chance, like, like you said. I, uh, 90% of those bands I'm definitely going to have to check out myself. Yeah. And it's a shame that I haven't heard them on the the radio or, you know, any articles about them or anything. Cause it sounds like, like you said, there's a lot out there. It just needs to, uh, people need to get talking about, about these bands. I agree. A lot more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any, any final thoughts? Well, I would definitely say in summary, a band like Greta Van Fleet, I think they opened the doors to a new wave of mainstream rock. Because ever, you know, ever since Greta Van Fleet came out, I don't know if it was just my preferences and my how I became more open-minded and how, how my preferences evolved. But ever since they came out, suddenly this huge wave of new rock bands came out that's, that I started, you know, listening to and thinking wow, these guys are great too. And it's like, how long have they been around? Oh, they're brand new. Or they've been around for five years and they're just now getting out on the scene. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it's like you said, it's, it's the perfect time. And I personally, I can't wait to see where these bands go. And I can't wait to see who else can come forward and kind of join the movement. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff from the UK that's coming out as well. There's a lot of great stuff in Canada. There's a lot of great stuff in Australia. You know, when I think of Australia and new music, I think of the Lazies. When I think of Canadian new music, I think of the Standstills. I think of La Chinga. Uh, you know, when you think of the UK, the Treatment. I think of Massive Wagons. So, there, yeah, there's a ton, a ton of stuff coming out um, uh, 1000 mods who you and I talked offline about this band from Greece. It's kind of yeah. like this doom punk metal band, which is really cool. Um, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff and I just wish people would give it a chance and listen, let's, let's, let's start the new wave of rock for our kids, for the younger generation 
and you know let them have their bands that can fill stadiums and arenas as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks again, Ari, for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, great of topic, course. great discussion. Yeah. I will totally talk about Joyous Wolf, or if you want to do an Alice in Chains show, or whatever you want to do, I'm always up for it. Let me know. Uh, I know you got a lot going on too, as well. As, as yeah, definitely. Let me know when you're available, and we'll do it again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. All right. Well, thanks, Ari. And once again, this is Jay Scott, and you're listening to The Hook, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. It's time to roll out the red carpet for, well, new carpet. Right now at the Home Depot. Choose from hundreds of styles and colors from top brands. Plus, get free installation. So whether you want to brighten up your bedroom, add a little more cushion to your living room, or yes, add some VIP flair to your hallway, you can get the perfect carpet to match your mood with free installation. From the Home Depot, how doers get more done. Minimum purchase of $4.99. Exclusions apply. U.S. only. See store for details. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.